You know what? You are the only person you are guaranteed to spend the rest of your life with. So, we want you to feel at home with yourself. To have an understanding of what being human truly means. And to be a witness to the things that are happening within you. We're here for the good. The bad. And the downright ugly. <laughs> so, come on this journey. And be messy with us. You are listening to The Real Meaning of Humanity with Alexis. That's my name. And you're Krista. Yeah, that's me. Okay, guys, we are back for the second episode of the Masculine series. I'm really excited for this one. Mm -hmm. Adam Mm -hmm. was great. We love Adam. We loved his story. Um, We can learn a lot from Adam. Yes, and I hope y'all did the homework. I mean, the homework is always invitational, but I think it just would have been really great if you did the homework. But right. And and if you are listening for the first time and you decide to skip episode one. It, it really is just to kind of go and dive deep into the story of Adam for yourself, because I know a lot of things um, when we've had revelation about like things in the Bible, it's us going back and, you know, encountering it for ourselves instead mm-hmm. of just listening to somebody else's interpretation or just them talking about it, whether it be on a platform, YouTube, whatever you do. Yeah. And the reason why we tell people to do that is because like God might say something specifically to your own heart, mm-hmm. uniquely to your own story. And you might get a revelation that nobody ever has gotten, but it's so true to your own heart. And like, and, and, and that is validating to know that like, oh, God really wants to speak to me. Like I do hear God Mm -hmm. and God wants to speak to my heart about this. So it's just kind of like encouraging. So if you haven't done that yet, I would encourage you to go do that. Yes. (laughs) Um, But now we're here for the second episode of the masculine series. I am, I think this masculine series is going pretty well. Oh yeah. I already love it. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. (laughs) Um, But today we are just going to get a little bit more deep Um, and so we're going to be talking about those, um, you know, silent struggles that not a lot of men like to face or to speak about. Mm -hmm. Um, because we talked in the last episode about like hiding the first thing Adam and Eve did, or the first thing Adam did was like hide. And it was like two layers of that. And so hiding in those struggles and, and, in your deepest wounds and struggles and, and then putting on that mask. And um, we're so thankful that Boaz decided to say yes to two episodes. So we have him back. So welcome back, Boaz. Hey, hey. <laughs> That's his trademark. Goes, hey, hey. hey, hey. <laughs> like, I wish people could see some of like our facial expressions sometimes, especially when we say bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. But no, we're so glad to have you back, Boaz. Thank, Thank you for you. saying yes to this. And um, we're excited to have you on this episode. Yeah, especially because this episode, like we really are, you know, thinking about the wounds that we have and then specifically looking at, okay, well, typically, right, this isn't for all men, but typically how do men deal with those wounds? What are the things that they do in order to try to fill those wounds? And so that's why I'm so glad that Bo has. Bo has has said yes. Bo has, oh my gosh. (laughs) Because I'm thinking about the word has afterwards. Okay. Boaz has said yes because we're going to talk about some things that could be uncomfortable, maybe Mm -hmm. some things that people and men aren't necessarily always very enthusiastic on talking about openly. And so for that, we're super thankful for just being vulnerable and being willing to be honest and, you know, and help us, you know, let men feel seen and heard and understood. 
Mm-hmm. And once again, I just want to reiterate a, um, a lot of things that we've said before on this podcast is like, this is a judgment-free zone and we're, our intention and our heart behind this podcast is where we create a space where there, um, you feel safe enough to fully be you, especially in your mess mm-hmm. and you're not judged for it. And so we just want to reiterate that as you're listening to this, like, I want you to have the freedom to not feel judged, but I also want um, all of our listeners to have the freedom, like, Hey, you don't have to project your own self judgments onto this episode. You don't have to judge. And so, yeah, just having a loving, compassionate heart the way God would. So <clears throat> let's get into it. Let's get into the dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm like, can we use a different word here? <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's get into the messy, the, the nitty gritty of it all. Okay. Um, so Boaz, like I talked about, uh, the last episode was talking about the wounds, um, and just kind of like, you know, how creation started, especially looking at Adam and men and, you know, kind of, and looking at the fall. And so I just wanted you to kind of tell us like, okay, so men have wounds. What are typical, what, what do men do in order to try to fill those wounds or like, what do they look for or turn to? typically um i think men run to what is easy cheap and free true (laughs) okay i mean i mean that's a simple answer but i i honestly do i think um if if it was expensive or hard to get to acquire then they won't go that route and authentic true fulfillment is expensive and hard so they're not going after the work they don't want to work hard for it and they won't want to pay for it and i'm not talking about paying for sex or something but i'm saying pay pay the price that it's going to take to get the authentic hole in their heart filled right because i feel like those wounds already take so much like energy out of us and Mm -hmm. so we're just kind of like looking for that quick fix just you know Mm -hmm. uh i i think of it like a like a high like a high that's going to make us feel better just in that moment even though we know that that's not actually fixing or helping us heal that wound it's literally just kind of numbing us yeah well we're talking we're talking a lot about like that wound that wound but like what is that wound is it a wound of rejection is it a wound of abandonment is it a wound of hey i'm not good enough strong enough strong enough i'm not capable enough hey um a wound of like no one's ever gonna love me i'm not gonna be loved i'm unlovable um a wound of like i'm unworthy for this or a wound i'm not qualified so those types of wounds of like Absolutely. No, yeah. You, you could name 50 more and the answer would be yes. And right. yeah. <laughs> essentially, you know, Adam's sin was the, I, I, I don't know. I must say something I haven't thought through, but I think this is yeah. true. I think for what I would believe Adam's sin is the wound because yes. he made a choice that wounded him, that rejected him, that abandoned him from God's presence that put him on the outside. And yes, Jesus fulfills, um, the curse or, 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 or pays the price for our sin. However, Christianese, they use the words to complete that. But ultimately, women still have pain in childbirth. Mm. So there still is a part of that curse that's there. And mm-hmm. um, a part or the full curse. I mean, I, I'm not a theologian. I don't really want to get it back into that part of it. But yes, right. the, the, the thing that wounded our heart is 
you know, we, we all have a sinful nature, I guess, uh, is part of that wound. We all sin, yes, and that wound leaves this distance or separation, this shame that even if it's not real, a real physical separation or a real spiritual separation, it still brings a shame on you that mm-hmm. covers you with rejection and all of those other things. Right. Yeah, there's a lot that just goes into it. And typically a man covers it up with a mask of like, hey, I'm going to be bubbly and act like nothing ever affects me. I'm going to be so logical to where no pain can penetrate me. (laughs) You know, like I know men that are like that. And I think I think that's totally valid. I understand that um, because pain hurts. It's very, the suckiest thing. Or people or men sometimes go to like an an adventure. Like I'm going to escape and go on a bunch of, which I think adventure is amazing. I'm a traveler at heart too. Like if I could travel the world and not think about anything else, I would do it obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they go for like even beauty. Like, hey, I I like this woman. Uh, Oh, okay. Seems like I'm bored. So I'm going to go to the next one. And, you know, like covering up with a lot of things, but, um, they look for it in so many ways. And, but then they also look for them in other ways as in pornography or, um, sex or addictions, alcohol, drugs. Um, I think that's, (laughs) I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot. I just, um, but I wanted to talk about pornography because I think a lot of, innocence is taken away um when um men are exposed to pornography and I know some men and some little boys who didn't even go to look for it but it they were just exposed to it and a lot of people have different stories when it comes to this but I wanted to and I know you mentioned a little bit um maybe in the last episode or maybe just to me one-on-one that um you have struggled with that. And, um, I just wanted to ask you, why is porn the number one snare for men? Yeah, I think, you know, kind of what I said just a second ago, the, the, the easiest, cheapest, freest counterfeit of the real thing. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I would say it doesn't disappoint. Um, it, um, it's created to make the craziest fantasies come true, unrealistic, yes. unmaintainable, unattainable. <laughs> what you can just, all of that stuff. And the moment you do it or the moment you watch it and you have your happy ending or whatever, you're part of your pornography addiction, you come to the end of it. And yes, some people say they don't feel any shame, you know, whether that's they haven't been um, exposed to that it's wrong. Um, some people feel, feel there's something wrong, even though they haven't been taught that it's wrong. Um, some people never will feel it, uh, but ultimately, it leaves you empty. So you go back to it again and you Mm -hmm. refill and refill and refill and refill. And that's where the addiction just keeps, you know, without getting into the neurological reasons, you know, you just keep going back to it. Mm -hmm. I do want to say, because I listened to an episode um, about pornography and there was this guy who like his, his, his job is basically interview all these people who were involved and, you know, pornography and like, we're actors in that. Um, and he would sit down with each one of them, like the man, the woman, the director, the crew, and 
what you're seeing, like what the men are seeing. And this, I mean, women struggle with pornography too. Like I know women who have struggled with mm-hmm. it. Like this isn't just men. Um, but I know people, um, he sat down with these people and each one of them besides the director, which I'll get into what the director said. Um, like the crew said, like what you're watching isn't what we're all feeling when we're there. It's a complete different atmosphere whenever you're actually in it. It doesn't feel safe. Um, it feels a lot of like, and this is the crew saying it, like it feels disgusting. Like we're just using, like one of the crew said, like we're just looking at the woman as an object. Um, and and then like the people who get into pornography who are doing the act, like the actors or whatever, they don't ever enjoy it. They're just numb to it. Like they only get into it because they just need money or they got so like their life got so bad that they really just, they, they felt powerless to say um, no. And they had to say yes. So they could feel provided for Um, and like how the men feel disgusting whenever they're doing that, but they just feel like they don't have a choice. And then the director said, which this is like, and I can share which podcast it is, but not right now. Um, the director said, as this man was interviewing the director, like, do you feel anything when you see this woman and man like in this? Because sometimes they can get very dark in the scenes. The director said, he was like, I feel like I haven't accomplished the scene until the woman is crying and begging for me to stop. Hmm. And so it takes the, I know, it takes the fantasy as if like, oh, this is what sex is going to be be like. And it, it takes the beauty of what you think pornography is as you're watching those scenes when they're just using that woman or even using the man to keep going and going and going until the director is like forcing them. And like, it just, it, it puts the reality of there's this darkness and evilness to it. Yeah. Sure. And I know, I know that got really deep and I know that probably surprised a lot of people, but it's the reality of it. And not a lot of people who are involved in that actually enjoy what's going on. Like even the crew members are like, I, I, I just, I, I need to provide for myself and I can't find another job. Like there's this powerlessness in each mm-hmm. individual's um, role. Well, yeah, I mean, so I guess my, and and I don't know, Boaz, if you can answer this question, but like my question kind of is like, I'm wondering, and I know that we've said like, it's a quick fix, but I'm wondering like, what about porn makes men like want to watch it? Like, is it like, does it make them feel powerful? Does it like, I I'm trying to understand why it is such an addictive thing. Like, why do they run to that specifically? Well, to, you know, for, for most guys, you know, you got your, your good looking dudes that probably, could go, you know, command and conquer the next woman every couple of days or whatever. But, you know, let me press pause. I, I Before I answer that question, I, I read, I was in a philosophy class in college and the philosophers talked about, and I remember somebody listening probably knows exactly what I'm talking about. But essentially this philosopher said, what if I had sex with a different woman every single night, would I be happy? And so for 30 days, he has this conquest of sleeping with a different woman every night. I think it was after like 15 days, he was miserable and felt empty and did not even want to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, why do men go after this is because there's an illusion 
whether it's cultural, whether it's in our media, I, I, you know, there's this illusion. And I think Wild at Heart may, maybe the second book that John Eldridge wrote, he says, um, I watched a woman go by and I had a lustful thought in my heart. I, I'm paraphrasing, so it may not be exactly, and it may not even be his book, but I think it's his book. Um, but he said, instead of just pushing the thought away, I asked myself why I was having this thought. And he immediately asked himself why again and why again until he got down to the root that it was a lie that he believed that he was more of a man to have sex with this woman. If he, if he could have sex with her, he would be more of a man. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. And so we, if, if it goes back to a fact that the macho-ness of a man, the, what a real man is, is to command and conquer and have sex. Yes. And ultimately i think there's some of that that's innate inside of all of us there's neurological reasons why we get addicted to it of course but we're longing for something we're longing for authentic relationship connection and community when that gets too hard or it seems unattainable we start going after the easy cheap fixes um and the real thing in that same process the real thing we're longing for gets further and further and further from our reach because our thoughts and beliefs have now shifted and changed to what those videos are telling us what those experiences that we had with a screen are telling us or a magazine or a picture or whatever and then our belief about our future spouse that gets so muddled and gets so false and unrealistic and untainable because it's built in the fantasy world mm-hmm. Mm. Does that answer your question? Yes, yes. No, that does. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought that um that um feeling of belonging. Cause I know a man, it's one of my mentors now. He's married and he's, you know, he's conquered this and he's taken victory over this, but he did struggle with pornography. And there's I think for me, it's like the reason how a man gets exposed to pornography um says a lot about that story and why you're so addicted to it like where you were in that time but for him it was like I felt very lonely and when I would feel lonely and when I wanted connection I would go to pornography so it stemmed from this wound of loneliness it stemmed from this um desire of wanting to be belong of wanting to connect, but felt like he couldn't do that with any friendship or had a safe relationship partnership with any, you know, gender or any, you know? And, um, so he felt like, oh, I can get this through pornography because it, 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 it creates this illusion of like, oh, I feel something. Um, and so that could be a part of a wound that leads you to that. But like at the end of it, like you said, like it always still leaves, leaves you feeling empty. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's because that gives you a false sense of connection. Like you're not mm-hmm. actually connecting. You just believe that you are in that moment. And then that's why later on you just are like, wait, I thought that was going to work, mm-hmm. you know? And then, so you go back yeah. because you're like that temporary feeling did feel good. That feeling mm-hmm. of, you know, falsely feeling connected. So you go back and back and back again and again and again, and then you just keep feeling empty really at the end of every single interaction that you have with pornography. And that, and that goes with not just pornography that goes with like, you know, drinking, um, or like even having sex with lots of women. And I want to, I want to be careful in the way I'm saying this, because like, we're not judging this. We're just, um, speaking on the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're not villainizing in like you and, and you being addicted to that, or if you still watch pornography, like 
we just want to create a space for you of like, hey, here's the reality of what really happens when all that is going on. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of things behind the scenes that you don't know about. And that's why it creates a false connection. And that's why your spirit really knows that. And that's why you feel empty after it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, I think that's good about your spirit feeling empty, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, I've been married for 17, 18, don't ask me, eight years now. Uh, um, but the, you know, when I have, when I have sexual intimacy with my wife, I feel connected to her in a deeper way. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel satisfied in her and I don't have to, um, it's not like afterwards I'm like, you know, the next, the next morning I'm like, I feel so distanced from her. I got to do this again. I don't feel that. I feel yeah. connected to her indefinitely, you know, for weeks at a time because, because, I, you know, that that's a healthy relationship and that's how it, it, it's fulfilled in relationship versus fulfilled in an event. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. One thing that I did want to bring up, like, um, is I like how earlier you were talking about, um, about how like some people will, you know, question themselves and ask themselves, well, like, why do I want to do this? Or like, why do I you know, have this certain, um, thing that I always go to. And I feel like if you are somebody who does, um, struggle with pornography, that's a really good place to start is to just question, like, why do I do this? What really is it inside of me that makes me want to run to pornography and constantly look at that? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good start because, you know, even if you are struggling with pornography, you're not stuck in it. Mm. Like you have the power to choose out of that. You have the power to choose yourself because you know, ultimately that does leave you empty. And so you can ask yourself, well, why am I doing this? And then how can I, um, fill that in a healthier way? Well, and then also like asking yourself a question like, okay, Hey, does this really make me, does this really help me feel loved? Yeah. Um, does this really help me feel connected to the people in this screen or like to a, a partnership um like how do I really feel within yeah. what's going on and afterwards like be honest with yourself be honest with your self and then I would say just bringing a lot of compassion into this of like oh like like hey little boy or little you or whatever I always say like little Lex like hey you really just want connection you you don't want to feel lonely and I'm so sorry you feel lonely I want you to know that I'm here with you like bringing that compassion compassion means being with so um bringing that love and being with yourself in that and you know validating like hey I'm so sorry you feel lonely but you don't you don't have to be stuck in this loneliness there there actually is future and a hope that you will be connected you can feel connected to yourself you can feel connected in partnership like this isn't all that it is and so bringing truth into it um, and not bringing the fantasy and or an illusion into what you're buying into what the pornography world wants you to buy into because that's not what it really is behind the scenes it, it really isn't um and I guess do we want to, well, I was just going to see like, Boaz, did you have anything else that you kind of wanted to put your two cents in, uh, in terms of pornography or like any advice given to men or anything? Yeah. Part of that asking yourself why, I think they say you have to ask yourself why three to five times to get to the root of whatever it is. Right. And so, 
you know, why, why do I, why did I come on this podcast? Well, I mean, I could probably say, well, I like to hear myself talk, you know, <laughs> or, you know <laughs> it's been a long time since, you know, anybody's asked me to speak at anything or whatever, you know, I could get that, but why did, why that? I'm like, well, honestly, I feel like I have a voice to be heard and I have things to say that are valuable. Okay. Well, why did that? Because I feel like God's called me to do mm-hmm. that. Um, why does God, why, why do you feel like that God's called you? Because I see the giftings that he's already put in. So, and I know that they're true. So I can, you know, by asking myself why four times I got to that point. Um, but the same thing goes to any action you're doing three to five times is going to get you there. And then the questions that you are asking about that next, Alexis, I think are great. Well, what, what is this leading me to? What, you know, how is this going to, you know, on and on and on you can go, um, with those questions. And I also think one thing that like, you know, you know, child, you know, trafficking and sex, all this stuff with children, you know, like you hear about it, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so disconnected to that. It's not like I'm looking at stuff online of kids or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I never, but whenever I went to Nepal on a mission trip and they took us to this area and they said, this area over here in this part of the town is where they sell children. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden your heart just gets broken. You're like, that yeah. kid's getting ready to get sold, sold to what? Sold to something he cannot stop. You know, he's a slave to whatever is going to happen to him. And when you think about that, like, I think the same thing is if you can, you know, there's tons of documentaries I'm sure about the you know pornography, like the podcast you listen to, and different things. I think hearing it, you know, is is good. I think also watching maybe a documentary on that on the pornography industry and how it affects those people, and seeing those people cry, seeing those people hurt, seeing those people talk about that. If you can watch all of that and just say, "But I don't care," right. I still have a need. Then to me, that tells you something about yourself. And yeah. then you like, so I think, I think you, those might be some easy tools. Sorry. Just side yeah. note, easy tools. No, that's no, I think that's good to bring up of like, um, you've numbed yourself to what actually is going on. Um, and so, and that's the, like a part of it. Like once again, if we want to bring Christianese language of like, if you're sinning so many times, you've actually numbed yourself to the, um, all of it or to the destructiveness and consequences of those actions. It's not God doing this to you. It's actually that sin doing it to you. That's the consequences. That's the partnership with sin is like, it could numb you to the fact of your humanity. <laughs> like it's your humanity is what we're talking about of like, you can look at somebody as they're having sex, but what actually is going on is that they're using that woman or man as an object and the director behind them is telling them, keep going, keep going, keep going. And this girl is crying, begging for this to be stopped, or this man is crying, begging for the scene to stop. And they're, they're being forced into it. So like, that's the reality of stripping that illusion, that fantasy, because that's not what's going on. You're believing into a lie. You're buying into a lie. And that's Mm -hmm. what the devil wants you to do. Mm -hmm. And so stripping all of that from it. Yeah. Again, like we said earlier, it's just a false sense of connection. Everything Mm -hmm. about that is a false reality. It's not real, but I feel like we started with pornography because that's a, like, for me personally, that's something that I always hear like one of the number one struggles of men, right. As a woman, obviously I don't know because I'm not a man and I'm not in that world, but that's why that was like the number one thing that we talked about was because I feel like whether, um, you admit it or not, there's probably plenty of men out there who struggle with that, at least at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. And, 
and what it really does, I think I saw like a TikTok or a video of this, <laughs> but like it, it is a man who was um, talking about like his struggle and like how he found out what pornography really does to somebody of like, it strips you from your humanity. It strips you from your masculinity. It strips you from, you know, feeling powerful enough to be like, oh, I'm able to look at a woman for exactly who she is and not be powerless to the fact of like, it's just her body or be a slave to it Mm -hmm. um and then also like as a man like being like hey I'm I'm more than just having sex with women it's also like a worth thing like I am more than I was created more for just like oh I can just go have sex with all these women and it'd be fine like actually there's more to me than that I have more character than that. I have more integrity that was bestowed on me and I want to tap into that so it's like what pornography really does is like stripping you away from your masculinity and who you're truly called to be as a man. Um, and you're, and you don't want to be a slave to anything. You don't want to be a slave to anything. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. So that's what we want to bring into. I also think that like, you know, if we, uh, I don't know, I really like this term because they'll, they'll say like soft porn where like, you know, girls in lingerie or whatever, and they, you know, maybe they're not necessarily being treated like the girl in the pornography video, you know, and maybe she's just being paid and she's the model and she wants to do that. And that's totally on her own free will. And so I think there are that, that stuff as well. And then I think there's girls that post stuff for free because it's their body and they want attention or they want likes and they're getting paid Mm -hmm. based on how many followers and things like that. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that is, is okay. Those are, those are, that's a different level. And, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it does the exact same thing to you that the pornography did to you. Mm -hmm. And it's less about, you know, it it is about your humanity and what it does in the pornography videos and those people that are on that extreme side, but all the people that are not on that extreme side, I would still say men, if I'm looking at you, if I was looking at you in the eye, I would say, men, the problem is, is you're now creating an appetite for something that's not realistic. You're creating, mm-hmm. like, I think Pastor Robert at Gateway, you know, he's talked about creating an appetite for something. And mm-hmm. then how after after guys get married, they still have an appetite for this thing that they create. Yeah. And how do you get rid of that appetite? And that, that to me is, you know, whether you like Robert or whatever church or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. No, there's truth is truth. And I yeah. truth. And, um, and I think that's the biggest thing is, um, I have a really good friend who, you know, says he doesn't look at pornography, but he looks at like what we would call soft porn, women in lingerie and that kind of stuff. And the way he talks about his wife is more object than it is with that, you know, and, and I just know, cause I know too much, too many details about their family and relationship and all that. But mm-hmm. the reality of it is, is I would say a lot of it comes down to this soft porn that's accepted and it, it changes the way I view women. It still puts them as objects. It still takes away the humanity. Mm-hmm. It still says that they are a point for you to look at and enjoy and do whatever you want to with. And mm-hmm. and on and on you can go with that. Yeah. I mean, and we also, if we look at our culture too, like we live in a very sexualized culture. So oh, yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely. like, it's like everywhere you look, you know, you see a half naked lady or whatever, like even in movies, like you'll see like the full body of a woman, like in a sex scene or something, you know, mm-hmm. like that's just mm-hmm. kind of like the norm. Like I am a teacher and my first year of teaching, I had to contact a parent because my fourth grader was talking about porn to other kids. Yeah, You know what I mean? But that's yeah. because he is growing yeah. up in a, mm-hmm. in a culture where like everywhere you turn that it's there, mm-hmm. you know? Cause there's always these small little openings that lead to that bigger ex, ex, explode 
exposure exposure Mm -hmm. that's the word yes so (laughs) there's that and um and that could and that I know we're just talking about porn but like that could literally be with anything guys like um like addiction and drugs alcoholism like it's it you're still covering up this wound that wants to be belonged or connected to because that's the thing as human beings we all just want to be we all just want to belong we all want to be seen we always we all just want to feel connected to something because that's what we are created for but we're created for connection with god and for all the beauty to come with that so that's why but i did want to get into do you have anything else for us? no go for it I did want to get into, because like, not just pornography, not just addiction, but there's also like, and I've heard this from a couple men that I've experienced, but like what a man's biggest fear is, because think about how men hide. Is there fear to be known? Is there fear to be like exposed or DVD or to be discovered as an imposter? Um, So like, what is a man's biggest fear and why? I think man's biggest fear is rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, which is rooted in your identity, which is, do I have what it takes? I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to fail. Uh, am I good enough? The fear of public speaking, you think about like yeah. the greatest fear of humanity right now, I think is still the fear of public speaking. Um, yeah. I think there's a fear of death, like I fear, uh, you know, but I think all of those fears really come back down to rejection. If I say something and that people don't agree with me, they may reject me. Um, that was one of my fears of coming onto this podcast is I haven't, you know, I haven't told anybody what I think or believe about a lot of things in a long time, because, um, Hey, I just wasn't a hundred percent sure. And I knew that for a long time, I said everything I thought, and now I'm going back and apologizing for half the things I said. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to say, I'm sorry, but it's more of like, I don't want to say something that puts a wound on somebody like Alexis that she has to walk through later. Um, you know, uh, especially in a level of authority, even though I don't hold the pastor title or whatever, I think a lot of people still see you in that, that, you know, that platform or that Mm -hmm. pedestal or whatever they put you on and what you say is important. And so I, I I don't take that lightly, even though I'm not in that role, you know, I may post pictures of me driving in my speedo in my Jeep because, oh, well, who cares? It's funny. (laughs) But, but outside of that, like, I really, you know, what I say, I think it's really important and I don't want to lead anybody across that so I think side note on what is man's biggest fear I think Adam was rejected when he sinned not that God personally like put a knife in him and rejected him his his choices caused a rejection of where of his location and his location changed and then this curse came and he knew all that stuff would happen based on his choice but it was still felt like rejection and what it feels like so many times is more than what it really is because your feelings dictate uh, so many of your thoughts. So he gets mm-hmm. rejected, then he has failure, then there's a death of the, the free life he had that was easy. Then his identity crisis comes in. He, am I a son of God anymore? And then he's ejected from that garden completely. And he just because he makes this one choice. And I think that is a great fear. Like even with men, like, you know, why, why in the middle school dance are all the boys over here and all the girls over here? It's a fear of rejection. Yeah. It's in fifth, fifth grade. It's, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> I love because what we said in the last episode of like fear of rejection is like also partnered with fear of failure. Like, oh, I'm scared that I'm going to fail. And within that failure, I will be rejected as a man and what I'm capable of. And I like no joke, y'all, like every guy that I've dated or been on dates with or been in a relationship with 
And that question pops up of like, hey, what's your biggest fear? And if we actually get like deep enough and like really want to reveal what our deepest heart's fear is, it does not fail where a man tells me my biggest fear is failing. And I'm like, oh, and and I just had a conversation with this one guy and he told me like, my biggest fear is failing. And I'm like, oh, like what, what, what do you think is going to happen if you fail? And he, like in, in layman's terms, he said it in his own, in his own wording, but he was just like, oh, well, I just won't be looked at the way I'm looked at now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so you feel like you're going to be rejected. Yeah. You feel like you're not going to be accepted if you fail. And he was like, oh, well, yeah, now that you put it that way. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And I was like, and, and, and so like, that's a man's biggest fear. And it happened with Adam, like he failed um, in the beginning and like came with a lot of rejection and hidden. So like now that I've, um, rejected myself and I feel like that's the thing too, of like, okay, before anyone can reject me, I'm going to reject me. And then, so it won't hurt as bad. Mm-hmm. And like, also that brings into like, I, I feel like that's a huge part of it. Like rejection is partnered with failure. What I've seen in men, and this could be different for many men. I'm not trying to categorize categorize y'all or put y'all in a in a box. I know a lot of people have different stories, but that's just what I've seen in my experience of what I've um, um, observed. Yes, that's the word, but like that can also go into like a mother and son relationship. Oh, I wanted to say something. Oh, go ahead. Um, well, whenever we're talking about fear of being rejected, I feel like that's why um, it's so easy for us. I mean, just honestly, as human beings to just kind of go with the status quo, because Mm -hmm. we know that like, if we just kind of follow what everybody else is doing, like there shouldn't be rejection there. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, so like for us in Boaz, like if we're just talking about in terms of the church, like it's been a hard journey to, you know, say, you know what, I don't believe that or go off on, um, something else whenever that's not like the status quo of like the church. And I'm just using that specifically because, you know, it's just something we all kind of have in common. Um, so I feel like that's why we always just kind of like go with whatever is like familiar or whatever is, um, kind of accepted by a large group of people because we don't want to, you know, be rejected or not accepted because we are thinking something differently, Mm -hmm. you know, but also like, I know I thought about this when we dived deep, dove deep into Eve is when we're looking back at Adam too, like the fact that he failed, like let's me have a lot of compassion for men. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that men have a lot of compassion for themselves. Like yeah. even the first man failed, you know what I mean? So like, you cannot have that expectation on yourself that you're never going to fail. Like the sooner you just accept that, Hey, I'm human and I'm going to fail. I'm going to be rejected, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to take that personally. Cause that doesn't diminish who I am as a person, but God still leaned in with them. They're mm-hmm. the ones that hit. They're the ones that went away, like ran away. Like God still wanted to lean into them. Yes. Did God tell them the consequences of their actions? Of, of course. course it that comes with it, but he still wanted a partnership and love with them. So it's just like, and that's the thing, like Adam wanted to reject himself first before he felt his fear of God rejecting him. So it wouldn't be as painful. And you see that. And I want you to know that like, like there's so much compassion with that of like, God still wants to love you though. He still wants partnership with you. He wants to work within this. He wants to build you up. Like your failure doesn't have to, that the failure of your story doesn't end there. 
Like that's not the end of your story. There's more to your story. There's so much more future and hope. And I think that's God's promise from the beginning and it's his promise still now. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, we talk about, um, you know, you're a teacher, Alexis, you, you nanny, you know, so you have these kids that are looking up to you. And, and then as a, as a dad, I have these kids looking up to me. And then you look at Adam and this whole generation of his family was completely altered because of a, of a choice to eat something you were told not to. And I think, you know, with everything, just kind of side note on the church, you know, these, you have these people deconstructing and all these different words, whatever, whatever it really means, who cares, but um, they're, they're just trying to figure out what it means for them to follow Jesus. And, you know, that's great. But whenever you have kids, like I've got a 14 year old and a 16 year old, and I'm trying to teach them and then deconstructing or trying to figure out what I really believe and, and breaking some of that stuff apart, you know, it's, it's really it's hard when you have a generation that's following you. It's hard when you have people, kids watching you. Mm-hmm. I think we relate this to pornography. I would say uh, men that are parents, men that are or men that are fathers, you know, think about the fact that you have little kids that are watching you yeah. and they are, they are dictating what truth is for their life based off the way you live in front of them. Mm-hmm. And I'll even tell a quick story. My dad, when I was 12, 13 years old, we were in a life group, men and women. And he, confessed sin that he was looking at pornography or watched a video or what was watching a movie and rewound it or something like that in front of the whole group and said I need y'all to pray for me and I remember watching that and said oh that's what a real man is mm-hmm. like I, I didn't I didn't I would have said that in that moment at 12 or 13 but what I believe from that is that was what a real man is a man is somebody who struggles and asks for help a man mm-hmm. who's gonna yeah. admit, admit he's wrong and so you know, kind of going back to this fact of with pornography, it's like, I think the more we hide it, okay, I'll get ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you can go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think the more we try to cover it up, the more we try to hide it, the more we try to say, oh, this is only something I can talk to other guys about. I can't talk about it in front of other people. The reality of that is it's another layer of shame, another layer of fear, another layer of hiding, another layer of rejection, another layer, all those things just compiling on top of you, keeping you right where you are. The more you open up about it, the more you're realistic about it, the more you're truthful. Like, look, I know a lot of people struggle with this. Does everybody struggle with it today? Maybe not, but a lot of people do. And I'm just being honest. um, I I don't want to be like this. Help me. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think that comes with like, even like like our developmental years is from childhood and how we interpret our um, parents' actions towards us and towards the way they live on a daily basis. And like, like I know, like whenever I was nannying and I, and I nannied this little boy and this baby girl and oh my God, they're like so dear to my heart. I love them, love them so much. Um, And they, his name is like JC and he, and I started nannying him when he was like a year, a year and a half. And this little boy is so tender and just knows exactly what he's feeling. Like he has big emotions and, um, every time he would have big emotions and he's learning how to navigate those emotions. Cause he's a little boy. And, um, yes, sometimes like when parents don't know 
what to do with that. They're like, Hey, stop, stop crying. Like, or you don't need to cry. Like stop crying. Boys don't cry. And this happens. I'm, I'm just generalizing this. This happens in every, almost every family. Like when the little boy cries, they're like, Hey, stop crying. You don't need to cry. Like boys don't need to cry or feel big emotions. So when Chasey feels that, like he'll go into a corner and be alone in his emotions. But I was always like, no baby no I was like hey and like sometimes like yes he did want to be alone and I wanted to give him that space but I never wanted him to be alone for too long because I wanted him to know that hey Lessis wants to be with you and your emotions you can talk to Lessis like you can let her know how you're feeling and if you don't know how you're feeling I'm going to hold you until you want to express how you're feeling in your own words and like like really like navigating and giving little boys that language to their emotions at that young age so that when they grow up they'll have that emotional awareness of how to express their emotions instead of like just pushing it down or going into a corner and being alone in it and I feel like the fathers the way they interpret that or the way they um, communicate that when their little boy is sad or having emotions and also the way a mother plays into that as for her son I guess what I wanted to say was that, um, we have talked about how men are taught, you know, not to have emotions, mm-hmm. that pain is bad, that you shouldn't feel pain. And if you are, maybe mm-hmm. something's wrong with you. And so that makes sense as to why men don't deal with their emotions or don't deal with their pain. And they use all of these, um, other things in order to cover it up because they were taught at a very young age. Oh, this is, I'm not supposed to you know, feel this way, or I'm not supposed to think this way. And so I'm going to try anything I can in order to try to cover that up, but go ahead. Well, also, I don't want you to keep remembering what you're saying because men actually do believe that like, well, I'm a man, I'm supposed to be logical. No, no, you're a human and you were created to have logic and emotions and mm-hmm. the beauty of all of that and be integrated in logic and emotions. It's okay for a man to have emotions. It's okay to be, um, cry. It's okay to feel everything that you're feeling and actually put language to it. But we, we are caught, men are caught in this belief and buy into this belief of like, well, I'm a man. And I'm just, and accept the fact that like, well, I'm logical and you're a woman and you're emotional. Like, no, us as human beings, we're supposed to be integrated in our logic and our emotions. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's because cultural, culture, oh my gosh, culture says that, you know, culture tells us that, no, this is what masculinity is and this is what femininity is. And if you don't meet that mark, something's wrong with you, mm-hmm. you know, but one I'm thing, super emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And you, because you're human, like mm-hmm. it is just, yeah. you know, it's crazy to me that some people think that they're not supposed to have emotions or like show their emotions because that is the furthest thing from the truth. Like you are a human being inside your brain. You have a specific part that is just for emotions, you know, Mm -hmm. like, but you learn to turn those off and, or just ignore them. Or like you said earlier, just push them down because that's not accepted. You're not, you're not allowed to do that if you're a man. Um, so I think that's a really big thing that men struggle with too. And I have a lot of compassion for men because, you know, I, I used to question like, well, why don't men, you know, why aren't they a little more tender or why, you know, don't they express their emotions? And it's like, okay, well, they've spent a majority of their life believing that I'm not supposed to be that way. So how can you really fault a man for that when that's been, what's been taught to them their whole lives? Mm -hmm. 
But so I know that um, another struggle that men have is, is something called like the father wound, but we're going to save that for another episode. But I also don't want to leave out those men who have a mother wound because that's also a very real thing too. And so um, I just wanted to talk about like, as a man, Boaz, like what role did your mom play in your life? She played a huge role. And I just want to tag on to the emotional side and I'll answer that question about my mom. But so I, I'm emotional. I cry at all the chick flicks. I cry at movies that my daughter and my, my wife don't cry at. Um, so, you know, I think we were watching Thor. It wasn't, it wasn't Thor, but it was something like that. And I cried at some point in it. And they were, my daughter looks over me and like, kind of rolled her eyes. I'm like, roll your eyes all you want. But that was a, that's an emotional part for me. It t- triggered something in my heart that maybe didn't trigger yours, but because of my experiences and my things, I might be emotionally tweaked at some point you know maybe is the word um um i i really and i want to say like i was driving down the road this is probably about four months ago five months no about seven months ago and i just found myself crying when i was driving down the road mm-hmm. and i'm like i'm like what's wrong with me you know <laughs> and then you know then a couple days later doing the same thing and what i you know so i kind of just really stopped just started thinking about all the stuff that was going on this is back in december last year Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I need to get some counseling because I have suppressed um, a lot of stuff that's been going on with my kids. And my, my, both my kids have a genetic disease. I have it too. Wow. I spend yeah. way too much time in and, and the doctor's office. They, well, anyways, so part of that suppression was is I haven't dealt with my emotions. Uh-huh. So then I find myself at the inopportune times getting emotionally, you know, I'm, I'm just crying for no reason. But the other part of that is I think a lot of men that don't deal with their emotions have outbursts of anger. Um, they're frustrated all the time. They're taking time bombs, whatever you want to call them, or or they cry like me at random times and they're trying to hide it and they're trying to get away from it, it denying all of that. But it comes down to you, you are emotional. And if you don't deal with your emotions, it will come out at a time when you can't control it and it's oh. going to be not fun for you. So yes. deal with it. Get I... into counseling. I love that you said that just because I was thinking like, even if you don't express your emotions as a man, like they're still there. Like yeah. you, you're not, it's not like, okay, I've turned it off and I never feel emotions. Like, like Boaz was talking about, like, you're still going to have them, but instead of dealing them and having the tools to understand your emotions and like feel safe enough to, you know, talk about your emotions, navigate you, through your emotions. Exactly. You push them down. And like you said, they manifest in different ways and typically negative ways. And that, that could be like through those wounds that we were talking about earlier in the episode, those emotions are manifesting or or manifestations or wounds that are manifesting. And so you're going to different outlets, unhealthy Mm -hmm. outlets, unhealthy sources, and it's just creating this big, huge mess. And now you're left with like, Oh God, how did I get here? What did I do? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the mom, you were saying the mom's role, Alexis, just like you were talking about helping that boy emote, you know, or talk about his emotions. You know, my mom did a great job with that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, ask me how I feel and just, you know, like she was super tender and like, you know, I remember I was probably in seventh grade and she was still rocking me and well, it didn't feel good, you know, (laughs) because they all love it, you know, you know, and you know, some people like your mom did what? I'm like, yeah, because like, that's my mom and she didn't stop me. My mom, if I'm sick today, you know, when I first got married, I I was sick and I was like, babe, can you do this? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, just put a wash rag on my head and just come sit with me when I'm sick. And my wife, that was something didn't happen to her family. And so at that point, my mom actually lived across the way in the same apartment complex. And so I said, just call my mom. Oh, <laughs> my mom came over. So you know, sweet. So, uh, you know it, 
it's just part of like, you know, your mom plays a huge role in how a son will see his future wife, his mm-hmm. sisters, his family, female friends, yeah. um, girlfriends, and, the, and, you know, ultimately all women, because he sees it through that lens, you know, um, I know different cultures see their mama differently, you know, right. like in some cultures, you don't talk about mama. If you talk about mama, that's fighting and it's respectable. You can, you know, go to the principal's office because they talked about you know, your mama, you know, that's, <laughs> we don't care, beat them, beat them down. But, yeah. um, you know, and then in some cultures, it's like your, your mom is a second rate citizen. Um, and so there's all different things, but I, I think the role of a mom is the same, you know, teach your boys to do that the more tender side sometimes that men just naturally, even not even taught, just naturally wean themselves away from. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's natural feminine, natural masculine, and that's okay, but we still have a feminine side to emote and we need to not neglect that. So my mom helped me with that for sure, helped me express my feelings um, um, and be sensitive to the things. And I think it's a mom's role to teach that to a boy, if especially if the dad is, it's just hard for him because right. also teaching your kid to be sensitive to their emotions is also teaching them to be sensitive to their soul, yeah. teaching them to be sensitive to their spirit and helping them connect with the Holy spirit and essentially God in, in, in general. Cause I mean, men can do it too, but I, I think moms have a special role. It's a part of what God's created inside of them. And again, right. not every mom is the exact same way as another mom. So. Yeah. And I do want to um, say like, if your mom, or father. Um, and we'll get into the father wound, um, the next episode, but if your mom didn't have compassion on you or didn't show you how to navigate through those emotions, or honestly, didn't ever give you the space to feel those emotions in such like a non-judgmental free, um, atmosphere. I am so sorry because our moms do teach us a lot about what femininity looks like and what it looks like to be a woman or to see how a woman acts. And for men, like if they don't see that, or if they don't have that, um, that good role model of what a woman is, you can actually grow up without even knowing, like have frustration or um, really lots of lies and belief systems around women. And it really, that wound and that unbelief manifest in different ways of like, oh, I'm just gonna see women as an object or, and just have sex, you know, like all these things that come with it. And I'm sorry that you didn't have a mom that gave you the freedom to feel what you needed to feel Mm -hmm. and just held you and just to be with you and comfort you and let you know that, Hey, it's okay as a man to have emotions. And I'm so sorry that you didn't have that. And I wanted to validate that wound because you deserved a mom who would do that. Yeah. Well, and I feel like it can be on the other side too. Like you could have an absent mom mm. or a mom that doesn't, um, you know, cause naturally typically women are nurturers. And so mm. maybe you didn't have a mom that, um, was connected to herself and knew how to work mm. through her own emotions. So how can she guide you to do that for yourself? But on the other side, I have seen, you know, maybe moms who, hold on to their child, maybe for a little too long. They always want Mm -hmm. them to be a little mama's boy or whatever. And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Boaz, but I feel like, you know, maybe in the early parts of a, of a little boy's life, like he is looking for that nurture, that protection, just that feeling of feeling safe and comfort. Um, and that, and moms typically provide that for, um, the little boy, but then I feel like there's a certain point where they start 
kind of not really looking at their mom and they're starting to look at their dad for like what okay well what what does masculinity look like like what Mm -hmm. am I supposed to do so they kind of wean off of their mom and they're more so looking at their dad well sometimes moms don't like that you know sometimes moms want to just keep their little boys and they want them to be you know tender and sweet and all that stuff but then I feel like that's ripping men out of like them wanting that adventure like that battle you know that's why they always like you know typically men are like playing with like swords or like doing like you know stuff like that or they want to be with their dad and play sports or Mm -hmm. something because they're Mm -hmm. they're longing for that adventure like a battle or whatever and sometimes the mom clings and that also really does affect men too oh yeah absolutely yeah no for sure I don't I don't know getting all the psychology behind it and so but my guess would be something along the line is you know boys and girls as young age like they probably need mama like 80 percent and dad 20 percent and as they're growing those percentages equal out maybe even shift back and then as they're adults they need both and um you know i call my i call my mom probably more than my dad you know Mm -hmm. um but i don't know if that was because of you know some teenage relationships that that just changed as I got older, you know, my mom was more available. My dad was working a ton, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't know what that is, but like, you know, if I need something, I'll call my mama, (laughs) you know, I need to cry for a minute. I need to talk to you about my emotions or whatever, you know, still to this day and she can handle it and take it too. So, but I think you're right. It's, you know, I was talking to a mom, uh, I'm in construction. So I was at this lady's house and she's like, they just don't give you a manual for when your babies leave you because her daughter was going off to college. And I was thinking, you know, there's those points where it's like, sometimes we see, you know, I could see a mom saying how hard it is to let go Mm -hmm. and let that, let that boy, especially for boys, you know, start leaning towards their masculine side um, and how that would be difficult, especially after you train this kid to be eight, 12 years old, and he starts to not want to be like you anymore and how hurtful it would actually be that you have to be, um, I say a bigger person, but you know, you because <laughs> that's not the right way to say it. But just to be so confident in who you are and your job you've done with that kid to let him mm-hmm. be. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, thank you, Boaz, for saying that. And are there any more like? Yeah, Boaz, are there any more like struggles or anything like silent struggles that like you can think of? I know there's so much and like there's so much nuance to this, and it's so hard to pinpoint because mm-hmm. every man has a different story, um, uniquely to what they've. Because I know men who have struggled with body issues, like yeah, like there's a standard to look a certain way as a man just as much as there's a standard to look a certain way as there is a a woman Mm -hmm. and so like there's even like struggles within that too and I know men who have been through um who are bulimic and you know like really struggled with that mindset but like are there any struggles that you can think of that we haven't said yeah I mean I I was looking at that question and kind of just thinking through like with the fear of failure in general you know whether Mm -hmm. it's financial marital relational fatherhood you know you can fill in the blank but the fear of failure is one that drives you i think the fear of others um not the fear that i think other substance abusing so like it's so easy to trade in this addiction for this addiction i was addicted to facebook now i'm addicted to netflix (laughs) you're you're still addicted yeah Um, i think um distraction i think we're just so distracted right now i think the struggle of just 
filling every void because if I can fill every bit of my time until I crash and fall asleep and then I start the next morning with my busy life and then fill it again with social mm-hmm. media, politics, religion, whatever, you know, I'm going to get on the politics train. I'm going to post everything I believe about politics and uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is just distraction from you dealing with who you are, some, yeah. you know, for some people. Um, I think a false identity, you know, we, yeah. we've been told we're something we're not, and I can't live up to this and it's hard to live up to this. Or, um, I'm trying to project this identity that I really want to be, even though I'm not really that yet or ever going to be. Um, I think the worrying about things that aren't real, mm-hmm. I think just, just worrying about what if I get fired tomorrow? Well, let tomorrow, the Bible says, let, let tomorrow's worries worry about themselves yeah. um, because you might not even live to see tomorrow. And that's not negative. That's not morbid. That's just a reality um, that we only have the promise of this moment right now today. Exactly. And let's live it to the fullest. I think death is a, is a big fear that people struggle with. Um, but I think the part of the one I, I, I like highlighted in this section was depression. Mm, I think yeah. um, it's a reactive struggle for a lot of men to you know, be depressed and try to find themselves lifted up by something sexual. Um, the pressure to provide sometimes the pressure to keep up with the Joneses being good at everything. You know, I got to, I have to, I have to have a success. And then when I'm not feeling successful, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. Well, what I'm hearing is like the theme or even the root cause really is that, that fear. It's mm-hmm. the fear that we keep talking about over and over and over again. And like Boaz was talking about, there are plenty of struggles that men deal with. We just were trying to choose the ones that are typical. Um, but honestly, we'd be on here for like a whole day if we talked about every single struggle that a man goes through. Mm-hmm. But the point of this episode, men, is just so that you know that you're not alone in this. Like it is a completely normal thing for you to struggle and you don't have to do it silently. Yeah. Silently, You don't have to do it alone. Like, and also you're not stuck in it. You don't have to stay there. You do have the power to really internally, um, ask yourself those why questions, why am I doing this? And then you're able to grow because of that and really dive deep into who you are and get connected to yourself. Like you are able to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I just really want to like spend some time in prayer and just like, and Boaz, you can like, um, I want to pray too. And then you can like insert yourself in. Cause I want you to speak to those men. Cause I can only do so much as a woman. Um, but I, I really just want to spend some time. Like there are healthier ways that you can get connection and, um, there's outlets. There's, there's so many outlets. And if a church doesn't feel safe for you, which I totally get, there's other like outlets, like counseling or consulting. And we'll get into that. Um, um, in this series of where you can go to as well. Um, we'll like lay out some programs and, um, counselors and stuff, but yeah, there's just healthier ways. And we want to just remind you that you are not stuck and that you are seen in the, you can be seen in these struggles mm-hmm. and still be loved. So I just want to enter into prayer. Are you good with that Boaz? Or do you have anything yeah, else that sure. you want to say? No, I think I've said enough. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. We just like to do this on here because it helps me get connected and and man, I really just want you to get connected. So if you could just close your eyes, put your hand on your heart and just take a couple of like deep breaths and, um, just like feel, um, connection within your body and, um, just take some deep breaths. And I just want to pray over your little boy and just say like, Hey, it's okay to be known in this mess. Mm -hmm. There is nothing wrong with you. I don't think you're too messy. 
I don't think that you're too messy to not be loved. I want to accept you exactly where you're at in this struggle. And you might be thinking of a struggle right now that you have been dealing with for a long, long, long time. And I want you to know that you're loved and that I don't need you to be anything else than what you are right now. And I'm still going to accept you. I just want to be with you. I want to bring in compassion. I want to let you know that I don't need you to be what you think a man is. I don't need you to be the richest man. I don't need you to be on a platform. I don't need you to hold all this success in order to feel like a strong man. I see you for where you are at right now. And I want you to know that I love you. And that I am so sorry that you didn't have a mommy that allowed you to feel freedom in your emotions. I'm so sorry that you didn't have a dad that um, allowed you to feel free to cry and to be upset about things. I'm so sorry that every time you would cry and felt the need to express what was going on inside you, that you were shut down, that you were forced to be silent. I want you to know that there's invitation here to feel emotions. I want you to know that there's invitation here to feel everything that you need to feel and that it's not too messy and that I'm not judging it either. And I want you to, I just pray over like, just to strip away the illusions and break any lie that's going on inside you that, oh, this is not what a man is. Or, hey, in order for me to have sex this, with this woman, I will feel like a man. In order to watch this pornography, I'm going to feel like a man. I want to break that lie because that's not true. And that you deserve to feel connected and belong to. And that you are capable. You have what it takes. You are strong. You are powerful. You can say no. You can break this cycle. You are allowed to discover what a man is and discover what a man looks like for you. What does a man look like to me? And what do I want to bring to the table? You're allowed to go on that discovery. Boaz, if you have anything else to say. God, I just pray that you would show every man that's listening to this podcast what truth is. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus, you said you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that when we find truth, we find the way for our lives. We find life. We find our identity in Christ. And I just pray for every man watching this. They would find their identity. They'd find their way. They'd find the truth. They'd find life. They'd find freedom. God, they would have eyes to see and ears to hear. I think it's so important that they hear and they see and they experience you, God. And uh, God, I also just pray that um, in that in that journey with you, as they're finding out who they are, their identity, God, that they would realize who they are and what they're here on this earth for. And those questions are the ones that haunt us the most. And God, I just pray that those questions would bring life, they would bring freedom, and that they ultimately would know you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One thing that I just want to leave for you men is I really want to encourage you not to fear or not to fear failure. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that I tell my kids this all the time, but typically when we do fail or we make mistakes, like that's when we learn the most. 
Okay. So if we can change our mindset to, oh my gosh, I don't want to fail. I need to be perfect to, okay. If I fail, it's okay. It's an okay thing to do. I can learn something from it and I can be better because of it. Okay. So don't fear failure. It's just something that is a part of our humanity. So the quicker we embrace it, the better off we will be. And then I also looked up, I was just wondering, I was like, we talked about fear. We talked about how kind of fear is kind of like the root cause for not only men, but I know women too. And I wanted to see how many times, um, it fear not is said in the Bible. Do you want to guess? It's 365. Yes. How did you know? Because I, I just, I don't well, want to sound like a smart man. What? What did you, did you say it? No, oh, okay. because I, I've always known that because like, you know, I, I went to college. Oh, Bible college. For, yeah. <laughs> but okay. Okay. I just looked it up. So I didn't know that. And I was like, oh my gosh, fear not. And it literally is 365 times and there's 365 days in a year. So it's literally t- reminding me every single day, not to fear. Like, yeah. I don't know. That's the way I thought about it. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think that's so valid. Like God doesn't want us to fear because he knows like the constant struggle within that fear. Mm-hmm. And like you have permission. I-, I wanted to say this too. Like you have permission to fail and know that you're going to be okay within that failure. Like you're not stuck in that failure. Like you have permission to figure out what's right for you and what's not. And so, and you have permission to be seen in it. And so like give you permission to fail and not be powerless in that failure and know that you can come out better and stronger. Come out and be like, what? I failed. So, (laughs) so what, you know? If you could only see Alexis's face when she was doing that, her body language. Man, I wish you were a part of that. <laughs> but okay, well, thank you so much, Boaz, for coming on and just being our guest two times in a row. We feel very honored that you would come on here. Um, men, I really hope that this encouraged you. This helped you feel um, more seen and known and understood. And just remember that you're not alone. Like, look around. Most mm-hmm. people deal with these things. It's mm-hmm. not something to be ashamed of. Do you have anything to say, Boaz? Um, Thank you guys for inviting me and trusting me. And um, uh, I'll do it again. So it was awesome. Yay. Yeah, we're so (laughs) glad we got to have you. We just love you so much. And thank you so much. (laughs) All right. We've we've already um, initiated Boaz in the last episode. So he already knows um, what to do. But we hope that you have a good day, Day, a good night, a good morning, a good drive. Whatever you're doing right now in this current moment. Mm make it good. Yeah. And we, we just hope the frequencies of whatever you're hearing this podcast episode on has really touched your heart and Mm. you have an encounter with, um, God and the love that he has for you as a man, because you have what it takes. You have what it takes. You are capable. You are strong and you're gonna be okay. Yes. You're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we love you. We love y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.